Welcome to the Getting Past the Premium Podcast, where we focus on breaking down risk management problems bit by bit until we find a solution. Enjoy today's episode and be sure to follow us for weekly content. Welcome back to Getting Past the Premium, everybody. Here today, we are going to focus on sales. And with me, I've got my man, Nate Sanis with Insight Performance Group. He's a partner and advisor with Insight, who we've had a relationship for a long time with, and his insights helped us uh, create and improve a lot of our models and philosophies and really get to where we're at today. And so I'm excited, Nate, that you've joined their team. Uh, it's been a while now, I guess. But uh, but yeah, man, excited to have you here. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, I appreciate that, Elliot. Thank you. You want to give everybody kind of uh, the, the background on you and who you are, what you're doing for them today? Sure. Yeah. I was the uh, person who first got approached by an insurance company in the industry as a whole and said no about 14 times before I ever <laughs> actually seriously looked at it. And I had yeah. to get told a lot of the details about what it actually involves and what it can do for a person. But I actually went to work right out of college uh, for a direct writer and I spent 16 years with them before joining Insight. Yeah. And so my background has been from a professional standpoint my first real job has been in the industry and it continues to be in the industry. So I'm rolling on almost my 19th year now in the industry. So I had my own sales territory. I had my own sales team and eventually ended up running nine states and working directly with six different sales teams and about 64 producers by the time uh, I was through with my regional rollout in the Northeast region. So it was uh, a lot of fun and it really opened some eyes and perspective on what the industry can do, both from a family, uh, from a financial and from a freedom standpoint. Totally. Yeah. Because you most of that time was spent on the sales side, right? All, all of it was. All the, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. either in sales directly or sales management where I was directly responsible for the success of the salespeople I worked with. Totally. So that's where I'm excited to kind of go deep today on, you know, you've got that experience in the direct selling side in you know, and then, and then basically every level up to managing a large sales team, right? So yeah. but let's start kind of there with more of that leadership management side um, of the importance of getting producers validated is a term everybody uses, but essentially successful in their role, right? Because I think we focus a lot on validation, but validation should be the first step, right? It's they're paying for themselves. That shouldn't be the goal, right? You know, and, mm-hmm. and every firm's going to have a different goal for their, their producers, their advisors, um, so talk through just your perspective on that. Like what should a leader be looking at and what can they be doing and driving with their teams? hundred percent. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things I feel like I want to be the loudest about in the industry. When you look at what the investment in training is, what the investment in people is on the front end, and then what the investment is once somebody's on board, man, some of those things just don't line up right now. Nope. And so when you think of bringing on the produce, all the work to find somebody that you feel like fits your culture, has all the characteristics you're looking for, that wants to be that true producer, hunter mindset, wants to grow, all the things they come on board for, right? And if it's freedom or financial or whatever the aspects are, and then we get them on board, here's your carrier training and go get them. How many people do you know? And we have so many sales leaders that also maintains really, really nice books because they were salespeople, they get responsibility added to them at the firm. And then all of a sudden, now we have competing agendas, both for the leader's time, but also for the leader's family, their financial reasons, but then also delivering on promises to people that we're bringing on board to help the firm grow as a whole. And so when, when you look at some of the best things that I see day to day, 
how are we managing compensation and time for those sales leaders? And those, I have so many of those conversations every week, just from the standpoint of if we've made promises, we should be able to show and tell. We have to be there to help. We have to have some of those regularly scheduled meetings where time blocked in order to bring our teams along. Otherwise, I don't know how we can expect validation on a normal schedule, let alone an accelerated one. Yeah. What would be a normal or accelerated schedule in your mind? Yeah. I mean, so often, right, whether you're looking at some of the industry standards, you're going to hear that three times number, or, yeah. or you're going to hear that, what is what are you paying from a renewal book standpoint? We're going to run that over three years, and that's your book size and what it should be. And in my mind, that's all fine. But we got to have a metric. You got to be able to measure. You got to have your KPIs to work towards. But when you truly look at what a producer is coming on board to do, that's to sell, right? Yep. We want to have and find ways for them to win early and often because that should be a large component of what drives a true producer is winning. Yeah, And winning might be earning first qualified meetings. Yep. It might be completing whatever your version of that assessment or that interview is in order to move something down the road where you can bring in other resources from your agency or brokerage to help seal a deal or whatever the case yeah. may be. And so I think- from my standpoint, bringing in other ways to determine validation, because it's, you know, uh, you even, right? You preference it by saying what we call it is that, well, it's such an ugly word. Yeah. Right? Hey, that's the turnover is high. Why? Well, they didn't validate. We got rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, an accelerator, if we're going to measure it by three years or the industry is going to allow us to measure it by three years, what, why not two? Why not a year and a half? Why not redefine what validation is in your firm? The other thing, as you know, talent right now is at a premium. Oh yeah. And so if we're going to guarantee these tremendous amounts of monies in year one, two, and three, and all of a sudden the book size after three, four years needs to be one, two, three million dollars to validate some of these guaranteed numbers. Mm -hmm. Otherwise they're going to look at taking a severe pay cut. We are setting ourselves up to fail and making sure people coming into the industry or into these roles fully understand that. Yeah, totally. So it's, Interesting perspective. I wasn't planning on going here, but I'm curious. I was just actually having this conversation on Twitter X with somebody, you know, Charlie Munger said, show me the incentives and I'll show you the outcomes. Yeah. And I do sometimes think, and I know insight goes deep on this, but are we aligning the incentives correctly with what we want that person doing, which is what a lot of your, which is what a lot of what you're talking about means, right? Yep. Are we are we setting up comp structures appropriately to drive the results and the outcomes we want? Are we, you know, creating an environment where if you want that producer to continuously sell new business, are you are you creating a long-term comp model, a long-term structure that's going to allow them to do that? Or is it going to incentivize them to build up a certain size book and then just sit on that and retain that book? So what's your thoughts around like how should we be rethinking this incentives piece? And I'll give another example. Most firms or a lot of firms, not all have, you know, higher new business and then tears down for renewal. And then depending on the firm, you know, the, that renewal percentage is going to be higher, lower, whatever. Yep. I've always thought that's crazy. We still do that, but we've, we've talked about that a lot that if your incentive, like if your producers need to be incentivized by an extra 10 points to go out and win a new deal, is that the right incentive structure? Right. And sure. should there be something else around it? Like, I'm just curious, like, what do you what do you think about as you're thinking about incentives right now and how we get to validation and all those things? Yeah, I, I would maybe actually turn that on its head a little bit for you and even challenge the way you're thinking a little bit. Why does yeah. everything have to be around sales? When you think about incentives and when you think about a firm, we're going to have a defined 
unvalidated investment KPI of some kind, right? Whether it's the NUP calculations that a lot are going to use industry standard of a couple percent or whatever factor the principals and owners want to use. Well, how about we take that 2% or the number and design ways to get people validated in different ways other than just salary and commission yeah, or salary and splits or, or whatever else that we think about and look at components where we know we can get them winning culturally, mindset, keep them healthy around the fact that, you know what, our salary is a little bit lower maybe to start, for example, but we're going to reward you for earning qualified first meetings. Here's yeah. our definition at our firm of a qualified first meeting. We're going to reward you for involving a mentor, a senior partner, their sales leader, whoever it is, in a meeting where we fully complete an assessment and bring it to a presentation stage or whatever your definitions at your firm are for those. And looking at ways where we can drive income through the healthy activities that we know put the foundations and fundamentals in place for the rest of time. The, the other thing we talk so much about, or at least I do, sales in general, right? What are we trying to do? We're trying to influence and educate, and a big part of influencing educating is listening and being heard when we speak. And so we got to avoid a lot of those fight or flight emotions that our yeah. brain chemically just always is going to put us into. It's the same thing when dealing with anybody on our team. And if you're all of a sudden or five years in from a producer standpoint, you have your splits, you know exactly what you can count on, not count on. And then a principal or a partner comes to you and wants to talk about a trade down strategy to keep you active, to keep your book yeah. growing, to keep the firm healthy, because that's what's going to take. And that totally surprises you. You've never talked about that. That's a culture of what we do, how we support the overall mission of how we grow and everyone gets better. That's I know what I would do. I, I'm I'm flighting and taking that next offer for that extra five points that yeah. somebody else is inevitably going to offer me. Yeah. Or I'm putting my hands up and I'm ready to fight because now I got surprised. And that's exactly the sorts of things that we see happen every day in our industry that don't need to. Yeah, I totally agree. I love how you're thinking about that and talking about or telling everybody how we should be thinking about it, because I agree with you a ton. And the other thing too, like if we're looking at it from just a new sales perspective, so a revenue perspective, at the end of the day, that's a lagging indicator and can be a deeply lagging indicator. You know, you could be months before you actually see, even if you have a written revenue figure, like you can, it takes a long time to uh, understand how much of that business is actually being written. Right. Or, 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 real, or realized. Yeah. If, realized, if, it's written, yeah. if it's realized, there you go. Exactly. And uh, so you have your lagging indicator there, but, but really, you know, most firms don't have much on the leading indicator KPIs, which is what I think to your point, you know, we should be tracking more for the person's performance to understand, are you doing the right things? to get you where you need to get to. And so you hit on a couple of them, but maybe talk about what you see other firms doing. Just get get more specific on like what what are those things that they could be tracking, should be tracking. I'll I'll let me say one more thing around that before you dive in. I'm a big believer that you should identify the outcome you want, the result you want first, right? So again, if you want this person, they're always going to be selling, right? They're always going to be required to bring in new business. Maybe they're going to be have a certain, uh, you have an AE that's going to do all the renewal work, but this producer is going to have a certain level of involvement. Design the KPIs that set yourself up for that, right? That, that get to the result you want. Too often, I think we don't, we don't start with the end in mind and then a KPI leads to the wrong behavior, right? 100%. So, Especially from an overall 
compensation W2 standpoint, yeah. because all it is, is I need the extra 10 grand to get this person hired and on board. I don't even think about what I need to hit three years from now. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I agree. So yeah, what are your thoughts there about just, you know, ways that firms could be thinking about leading indicators yeah. to drive producer success? I would say the majority of firms I work directly with, they're interested in really two things when it comes to a producer, especially as you first start, right? Prospecting, however we define that. And I'm a guy, you're never going to hear me say the word cold call because it's a component of prospecting. Yep. The, the worst thing I feel like a firm can allow, right? Our, our culture is how we normally act and the language that we use and the behaviors that we allow inside of our firm. That's what our culture is. But those who allow those veteran producers, the ones with big books to out loud say that, oh, I don't cold call anymore. Well, that might be so because it's the easiest thing to do. Pick up the phone and just dial and start trying to, to talk to people. But it's the hardest way in prospecting to get results. Mm -hmm. So you probably don't do that anymore, but you still prospect. Yeah. You've just found a way or you use your time in a way that's maybe the hardest way to prospect, getting that direct referral where you have somebody introducing you, maybe going to lunch with you, maybe going on an appointment with you to introduce you, but it's the easiest way to get results. And then we've got all the ways in between. So A, I'd say define what prospecting is in your firm and then reward the activities that drive it, whether that be your first appointments, whether that being getting involved in certain boards, community, social, charitable, professional, in the geography you want your producers working or the industries you want your producers working, and then support them as they earn opportunities to present, right? Everyone wants to define their network as how many people you know individually. No, your network is how many people know you. That's what we're gunning for when we're trying to build networks, gain some of those referral opportunities, those warm leads where we know it's harder to prospect that way, but the results are so much more effective. Totally. And so find those. That would be my, what do you want to reward? And yes, things have to make sense from a money standpoint. Yeah. But if, if we're gearing towards that $300,000 or $400,000, $500,000 book at the end of three years, and we believe and how we can teach what we do and how you build that book, why would we not restructure that $300,000, $400,000 projection down to the activities that we know will produce it? Because at the end of the day, what I see so often, when producers don't work out, it has nothing to do with the opportunities they bring to the table and how many they do or don't close. So many firms are good at support when the deal's in the house mm -hmm. and bringing it home. Yeah. Right. The sales leaders, the additional resources in the firm themselves, all the things that we can bring from a team selling aspect or an individual deal aspect. We can see closing ratios and brand new producers being fantastic. 50, 60, 70 percent, sometimes, depending on how well they surround themselves with others. Yeah, it's getting point. there where we see the numbers really, really dip a KPI where someone truly believes in conversion is an important piece of a pipeline. Mm -hmm. Well, it is. But we got to get to the point where we have the opportunity to convert. And that all leads back to how do we prospect? How many people know you? How much are you out in front of your target market decision makers? And some of those activities that the firm believes in, I feel like we need to recognize. And it might not be the first meeting you earn, you get X dollars, but it might be the fifth or the 10th yeah. that you earn. Here, here's a little pot. Here's a little bonus. And we just restructure. And now we're getting our producers used to performance pays. Rather than 12 months later, 
when the last payment finally from a sale I made 14 or 15 months ago comes through, now I've fully realized the compensation and all the activity I put in three years ago. Yeah. That's a long ways away for late 20s, early 30s type of producer who's getting into the industry to think about. Especially in the environment we're in where everything is so immediate. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. So, again, there's like five things in there that my head wants to go down. Uh, which one of them is that of structuring, you know, the reward element to it, which I want to get to. But before that, so what's your thoughts to around so many firms I see have a set way that they do or that they track a producer's performance, let's say. So like you mentioned, you know, we make a hundred cold calls every week or whatever, right? Everybody does it. And it's, I've always thought that if we're doing it right, you're individualizing that to the person because there's everybody's situation is different and how they're going to build, you know, their book of business or achieve their goals. And you want to leverage that, you know, somebody might have, even if they're new to the industry and young, they might have a great deep network that they can tap into. They may not know anybody in town. They just moved to town and, you know, cold calling or networking and doing all the things is a great way. Like how do you view individualizing those uh, goals and KPIs for each person versus kind of the blanket approach across the firm. Yeah, I I can't agree with you more, right? We all sell individually. We all have individual prospects and clients that all require and need different things from us. Yeah. So why wouldn't your sales team need the same thing from you? And just like you mentioned, some might be coming in with a decent network. Others might be coming in with no network. Others might be coming in with an insurance background. Technically, they're pretty strong, so they can be dangerous enough when they're out there talking about it. Others may have none, but they've sold prior for five or six years a different product, a different industry very successfully, and tailoring a a development plan. We got to grow somehow. We got to get to where we know and fill the gaps. But then B, how are we going to incentivize and make sure that they stay motivated? You got to have energy to come to work, especially in a producer role. And so how do we do that? What do we need them involved in? What do we need to maybe round out? Or better said, what do we need to capitalize on right away? So everyone, the leader, the producer, the team behind them, is like, man, this new person's killing it. They're successful. That's what we want is that belief behind what we're doing. And we got to sometimes look at it when if everything in our industry from a producer standpoint is about financial reward. Why would we not financially reward what we consider success early on as well? Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, so let's then talk about that financial reward. I'm curious to see what uh, you maybe you've seen different models or your thoughts on models out there, right? Because obviously there's the standard, you know, you get paid on the revenue you bring in, right? Yeah. Um, which to your point, it's a very lagging reward system in our industry. And I get some, I have some concern around that, that again, it drives the wrong activity. Like, let's say that you're like, we have a very defined target market. I'm, I don't 
it's not necessarily a niche, but it's just here's the type of business we want to bring in. Yep. And if we're only compensating somebody based on closed revenue, it can drive short-term decision-making, right? Like, shit, you know, I, I need to pay the grocery bill next month. I, I can write this, you know, whatever that doesn't fit target market just to get, you know, a $500 check or something. Yep. Um, but that's kind of the standard, right? So what do you see or what do you like in incentive structures, rewards, like bonuses or, you know, certain things for driving the right activity? How do you see, you know, innovative firms or firms doing that to solve for that problem, I guess? Right. First, I'd say, Let's not get away from the fact that numbers have to work. Oh, 100%. And, uh, yeah. when you, just like Clearly. you referenced earlier, you got to begin with the end in mind. So you got to know what targets are at the end first. And so we're, we're not talking about free money for activity for activity's sake here. Yeah. We're, we're talking about having a timeline, having accountability and clarity around what we're doing each and every day that we know, uh, the culture in our firm believes, will bring the long-term results that we need. So for, I'll give you a, a few, four examples just to put a little context to it. If we're a firm in community involvement, we want people to be involved in various groups. Now, hopefully, we're strategically thinking through that we have yep. our team members placed in different ones, and we don't have one organization where 15 of our, our teammates are there. <laughs> but we have. can we work our way into a presentation? Can we work our way into a board seat within X amount of time? Can we work our way into so many events attended over the course of the year to represent our firm? How are we doing that? And then how is our firm's name going to be up front and center when you're there? And if I can hit in my first six months, four events inside of my assigned, for lack of a better way to say it, organization that I have some passion around, maybe we have a, a component of a bonus there for them. And at the end of the day, we didn't start them at the $100,000 salary. If we're going to look at something like that, we started them at 95 because then that five is going to get replaced here and then go get it sooner. They're going to get it anyway. It's guaranteed money. Yeah. Or we're looking at a component of first qualified meetings. If that's defined as your sales leader or a teammate partner needs to come with you and sit, be at that meeting so that, yep, that's a qualified, we talk into a decision maker, we discuss their program, we discuss us and why we're different and how we can help. Perfect. That's our definition of a qualified meeting. We check the box, we get to five. Here's another bonus if you hit five in your first two or three months or whatever timeline yeah. we want to put inside of that. I, I am not a believer in activity for activity's sake to say I co-called on the phone 120 firms and didn't learn a thing. I don't think that helps anybody. In fact, I feel like that's really demoralizing for any human to, to go through that type of work and effort and not have a single result. And so from my standpoint, it'd be more, how do we get them well-rounded in their prospecting more often? Because so often, here, here's your list, Start calling, get appointments, get appointments, get appointments. Well, we're starting in with the most difficult way to earn results yeah. rather than let's get them involved, whether it's a professional organization. Uh, maybe it's even, hey, our firm works with 100 contractors. We're going to send out a survey. Who do you work? Who's your CPA? Who's your attorney? Who's? How do you get access to capital? These days, it might not just be a banker. It might be that PE firm or that VC firm or whatever it is. And we find that there's four or five top answers in every category. Is somebody using that in our firm as a COI? And if we are, and it's an older partner, who's the young one coming in to take their book? That's who I'm going to match my new producer up with from a networking standpoint. Can we fill out every financial advisor that a business owner is traditionally going to have on a networking list? And as soon as we round that out on your list and you have your first three meetings over the course of six months in all areas, here's another five thought. I mean, just getting yeah. creative to incentivize the That's activities cool. you actually want I feel like is, and there's so many creative people in our industry. It's just that 
the ideas are up here and they're huge. And then the execution comes down the funnel and, and ends there. Yeah. Well, I, we don't need to get off in this tangent, but I think there's a big impact there when you, cause you mentioned earlier, te- leaders in firms typically grow with a book and, you know, are going to default to managing their clients and growing their book. And, you know, sometimes it's easier to set up and hire somebody and say, look, you eat what you kill, go do it. See you later. You know? And I yeah. think that model definitely used to work. Um, I think it can still, it can still work, right? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a lot harder. Scaling is going to take a lot more time. You're going to turn over a lot more of your new teammates, but it can still work. People have made a lot of money off that model. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's, let's transition a little bit from, I mean, we we talked about a lot of the things an individual, you know, could be thinking about already, but we've come at it from the perspective of like leadership management, right? So let's talk about your thoughts. If say I'm a new producer to the industry and maybe I'm in my thirties, I've had a little bit of career experience, but I'm making a career transition, right? What do you see as the things I need to be thinking about to set myself up for success? The the first thing I'd say is we got to change perspective and perspective may be what they had in their previous careers, or it might be what the world has traditionally thought about insurance. Right. And to look at risk from the standpoint of your building burns down, we make sure the the carrier comes in and writes enough checks so you get another building and you're in the exact same place you were before your loss ever happened. Well, that's fantastic if you're working in 1975. (laughs) That's not what our industry does anymore. I want our owners thinking and our clients thinking, if I'm going to geographically expand, if I'm going to add a new product line, if I'm going to ha- hire more teammates to expand in a certain area of my business where I like the margins, where I'm making money, yes, they need to call their accountant with those decisions. They may have to call their lawyer. I need them thinking, I also have to call my risk expert, which yeah. is going to be my producer, which is going to be my advisor. And so when you approach prospecting, your language that you use, what you actually believe in, that risk ex- exists everywhere. Personally, it I mean, if I'm going to walk outside this morning when it's raining, that's a risk I'm willing to take to walk on the wet sidewalk. And if we look at it that way for our clients as well as ourselves, man, we can put an image of difference out there really, really quickly. And now all we if the beliefs are there, we just got to put the process and the system behind it. And then we can take off. You're going to be looked at differently from day one rather than, hey, I'm Nate with XYZ Agency. We're an expert. We have a million carriers. We're going to find the best coverage for the best price for you. Let us take a shot. Yeah. Well, so I totally agree with that. I, I kind of, well, that's philosophy. It's kind of your, your brand that you're going to build in the marketplace. It can't be understated how important that is, your language, you know, all of those things. But then let's say that I I, I understand that, but I don't have a ton of, I want to say backing, but I don't have a ton of like leadership, right? I, I was one of those that's given like, hey, the phone book, go kill it, right? Yeah. Uh, what should I be doing tactically? What should I be thinking about? How do I build my book? How do I get opportunities? Like walk through that a little bit on some, that. some thoughts. Yeah. So so I would say, first of all, recognize you're an individual. There's you're gonna have partners, you're gonna have high-level producing folks inside of your firm. They're gonna say, This is the way to do it, this is the way to do it. This and a component of that might be something we can adapt and yep. use and be successful with. But the way John Doe did it isn't necessarily the way Nate Sanis is gonna do it. And so to recognize what you're good at. So for example, if I'm somebody that believes in the fact that there's multiple ways to prospect, I'm always going to coach and teach. We want to use and execute all of them. 
So if we're we're going to do some cold calling on the phone where we have no relationship whatsoever, we're going to incorporate when we're already going out, we're going to stay efficient, but we're already going out into the marketplace, we're going to do a few drop-ins on some prospects or some potential prospects that we've identified through some research. We're going to ask for those warm leads where we can drop a name or reference a large account that the, has been really happy with my firm in the area that has a good standing and a good name. And if I'm coming in with any previous relationships, I'm going to ask for those direct referrals. And the one thing I always tell people, everyone wants to think of a referral or a warm lead into a piece of business that's going to automatically be revenue for them. Yeah. Man, what if we just had great direct referrals into high-performing professional COIs yeah. or a high-performing association that actually serves its, you know, so many of these associations, they're out there and they that they serve a purpose for networking and, and doing, but they actually serve their membership. They make yeah. businesses better. And I can get in there and get visible in there really, really quickly, get warm leads or introductions from that executive director or president or board members of those organizations because they do things the right way. And so if we can start expanding our scope on what all these activities are, and we're willing to grow, get outside of comfort zones, screw up a few times, we're going to find our way. And once we find our way, okay, now we're going to start allocating time based on the highest and best use of our time and talent and what we actually enjoy. The other thing, how do we do it? Right? When you think about a day of a brand new producer with no book who's given a phone book, can you imagine eight, nine hours of just dialing off of a list? Oh, yeah. That, that's that was there that's, at one point. Yeah. That, that's pretty much my definition of hell. And I've been in the industry a long <laughs> time. And, and so, from my standpoint, I, I think of who would want to do that, but recognizing that's a component of what we're going to do. We have to have some of that involved. Yep. So, how are we going to structure that time? Maybe I'm going to think about the fact that I can only do that well for an hour before I'm exhausted, before I'm cussing at everybody, or before I want to kick the dog, or whatever it is that I need to do to blow <laughs> off. Stage. Okay. Fine. Let's do that for an hour. Then let's do some another activity for an hour or two. Maybe it's some training. Maybe it's some learning. Maybe it's some shadowing of some other producers. Maybe it's just sitting down and asking questions, having a cup of coffee with people who've been successful, network building, whatever. And then I'll circle back later on. Yeah. Or if I really hate it, maybe it's a component of a couple, 10 minutes of a very defined process of research to try to get a little dangerous, make a connection. Then I make a call. And then I have another little 10-minute process of research, and then I make a call. And throughout the course of the day, now at least I feel dangerous. Mm -hmm. Or for others, it might be, hey, you know what? I recognize that most C-suite in my target market, they take meetings, their, their life is meetings, and they're in meetings on the hour. Well, the most CEOs I know, the C-suite folks I know, top of the meeting, top of the hours when they're scheduled, and they try to keep everything succinct, short. So where's the free time going to actually be? Back end of hours. Okay. So now I want to call the last 10 minutes of every hour is where I'm going to make my dials rather than yeah, when their cool meetings idea, yeah. are probably starting. Just using different strategies to make sure we stay energized throughout the course of the day. Because if if something is ineffective or we don't like it and that's all we're supposed to do, how can you blame somebody for Yeah, I would quit too. <laughs> 100%. Well, so... We probably didn't spend enough time on that particular topic. Maybe we could schedule another one of these and just go deep on, you know, if it, how can a new producer be successful throughout their career, starting from day one through, you know, success, however that's defined. Um, yeah. We, but we could talk I, I want to be cognizant. Hours. What's that? I said we could talk about that for hours. Oh, I know. I know. But it'd be a fun one. Like, I like to get tactical so that everybody can take away, you know, game plans to how they can go out and be successful. But I think this was super fun, helpful. What 
I, I want to give time for you to talk a little bit about, you know, how can they get a hold of you? But then what is Insight doing for firms, you know, on a regular basis? And if somebody wants to learn more about that, how can they hit you guys up? Yeah. You bet. You know, what I love about what we do is that is so hard to define because just like I view team members as being individual, everything we do is customizable. Yep. And everything we do, all of my teammates at Insight, we've actually done the jobs that we work with our clients on before. We've done them successfully. The numbers are behind us rather than being the consultant that's semi-retired, has X amount of hours to work with the clients or whatever it is that you would consider the, the normal yeah. in our industry. And so from our standpoint, I, I don't know of another firm that does what we do in a holistic approach at all. I don't believe salespeople can be successful if the ops team isn't operating at a high clip behind them. I don't believe the ops team can be successful if they don't have the business staying on the books and coming in that they need in order for them to be fulfilled in what they're doing. And nobody can win if we don't have leadership on the same page with the goals, with the culture, with what we need to do in order to have both of those teams operating at full tilt. And listen, there's problems every day. What we do, I don't think we have all the answers. But man, we've seen a ton of problems and we've developed tools, systems, processes in those situations where we've seen the results come where now we can bring that. And what do we really do for most of the principals or partners that we work with? We save them time and we bring speed because we've been there, done that or seen it before and develop things around it that now can speed up our clients much more quickly than that they wanted to go out, develop something on their own, implement a brand new process, and now try and have every, and the sales side for example, is a great, easy example. Yep. Yeah. Shiny tools is awesome. We'll, we'll plan and figure it out and divine whatever it is that we need. The CRM is going to solve all our world's problems, blah, blah, blah. What are we doing for implementation and accountability? And making sure all those dots get connected along with everything else that goes on with operating a business, the financial, all the back-end things that have to be right in order yeah. to be successful. And so from an insight standpoint, I absolutely love the fact that a big part of my day, start my meetings start with, I have a problem. And now my job with zero guide rails typically is to solve it. And how do we solve it well? Yep. And so that's a lot of what we do. As simple as that definition may be, we talk all the time. We yeah. want to work on our client's business so they can work in it. And that's really as simple as it is in what we do. Awesome. Cool. Then how can they get a hold of you if they want to reach out for more? Yeah. I mean, Nate at insightpg.com is my email, my LinkedIn, jump on anything like that. Our, our website at, at Insight Performance Group. I mean, any way to reaching out is fine. And really, I mean, when you look at how accessible we already are in the industry and where our name is at, Hopefully we're not a brand new name to anybody out there. If we are, man, make an introduction. I'm not saying we're going to be working together tomorrow, but understanding what we can do for the industry and hopefully big picture, just like you're doing on your end, Elliot, we're going to make it better for people, you, your employees and the clients that we all serve. Yep. Love that, man. Well, I appreciate you guys and everything you do for us and uh, I know everybody out there appreciates this episode. So reach out anybody that wants to learn more about Nate or inside. I know that he's always open to help too. And, and they've always been great. So we will catch everybody on the next one. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Elliot. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to getting past the premium. We are excited to continue breaking down barriers and finding solutions together. If you would like to reach out regarding anything you heard in today's episode, find links and contact info in the description. Until next time.
Have a great day. Are dropped calls and poor voice quality slowing down your business communication? It's time you switch to a solution that keeps the team connected seamlessly. Introducing Lightspeed Voice, your gateway to a revolutionary VoIP system designed to elevate your business communications to the next level. With Lightspeed Voice, you get more than just a reliable connection. You get feature-rich system that adapts to your business needs, whether it's video, conferencing, virtual voicemail, or call forwarding. Lightspeed Voice, they've got you covered. They got my agency covered at the Insurance Alliance. Worried about the transition? Don't be. Lightspeed Voice offers a seamless integration, making the switch to our VoIP system a breeze. Our expert support team, that's what they're known for, is here to guide you every step of the way, ensuring a smooth and efficient transition for your business. That's right. But that's not all. Lightspeed Voice is not just a communication tool. It's a strategic investment in your business success. It is. Save on your monthly communication costs while enjoying top-notch service. It's a win-win and it is. You can put that money somewhere else. Don't let outdated communication systems hold your business back. Upgrade to Lightspeed Voice today and experience the difference. Visit our website or call now to schedule a demo and see firsthand how Lightspeed Voice can transform your business communications. Lightspeed Voice, where every word matters and your business is always in sync. Cass approved.